Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of Food Biz Whiz. If you are a packaged food or beverage founder who is wondering, what do I do now? You are going to love today's episode with Will Ahern, the president of Dirty Hands, which is an outsourced merchandising, sales, and brokerage firm representing emerging natural food brands in the grocery industry. So I hear you guys. I have gotten so many questions over the past few months around driving sales at the store level, connecting with your retail accounts, and getting through the ups and downs of 2020. I am delighted to have Will on the show today as he and his team have been on the ground supporting over 100 brands and 1,000 retail locations, and he's got a whole bunch of practical advice on what is working right now in our industry. Stay tuned. You're listening to Food Biz Whiz, the weekly podcast for everyone in the packaged food industry. Join your host, Ali Ball, to learn how to launch, grow, and scale your business. You'll hear real-life examples from her time as a professional grocery buyer, interviews with CPG experts, and listen in on actual client coaching sessions. Let's get going. I'm going to tell you a secret from my time as a grocery buyer. Buyers will only bring in your product line if they trust that you are going to bring high sales to your category. They don't care whether your product is the most delicious ever or made with local ingredients. They care about whether or not it's going to sell. How can you prove this to those buyers? With data. And that is why I love WeStock, and I wish it had been around when I was in my buyer role. WeStock has modernized the classic product request form, and it collects your fans and followers' enthusiasm into real data that you can use in your wholesale pitch. Buyers rely on numbers, and you can give them just that by collecting it with WeStock. Check them out at WeStock.io or find them in my show notes and use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Hey, Will. Great to have you on the show today. Hey, Allie. Thanks for having me. Of course. So, Will, I gave a brief intro of Dirty Hands, but I would love to hear it in your own words. So, what does Dirty Hands do for CPG brands? So, Dirty Hands is an outsourced sales, merchandising, and uh, brokerage organization covering about a 1,000 accounts across the country uh, and every major metro, really with the, the goal of building really tight relationships on behalf of our brands with our retail partners. So it's a uh, family organization yep. started by my father, and uh, he eventually looped myself and the rest of us kids in, about three and, uh, and one in-law as well. And, uh, and with that small force here, we've been able to, to take on this uh, natural food industry with the help of many other people. Yeah, you you told me that you have about 100 and 120 employees now. Is that right? We do. We do. Yeah, 125 brothers and sisters, as we call them, within the <laughs> family. Uh, really spread out again, down from Miami up to Portland uh, and everywhere in between. God. So been, uh, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. So you and I first met at Natchcom, a conference all around e-commerce in the natural products industry. And it kind of feels like an unlikely place for two wholesale supporters to hang out, right? Like you and I were definitely the retail people in the room. So I want to, I mean, that was over a year ago. So I want to ask, are you still loving brick and mortar as much as we did when we first connected? 
Absolutely. It's, uh, it's kind of where Dirty Hands was born and where I, I got involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never really known anything else. Um, <clears throat> and I think that store level, that time spent at store level allows you to see all of the doors that can open up if you're handling it the right way. And so although, you know, delivery, especially during this time, has skyrocketed and, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to go direct to consumer, there's just still so much activity and so much goodwill that can be earned at store level and so many things that can be learned uh, as well. So uh, still loving it. I don't think that'll ever change. Um, but yeah, this is one of the reasons why I, I wanted to have you on the podcast, right? I'm like, finally, I have found someone who is also <laughs> so passionate about brick and mortar. I mean, I love e-commerce too. Absolutely. I love that brick and mortar stores are fin- finally starting to do pre-order and curbside pickup and all of that. But at the end of the day, like I love a grocery store and I know you do too. Absolutely. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're like candy stores, you know, (laughs) adult candy stores for, you know, and I'll tell you, I, I've got a sweet tooth, you know, but (laughs) trying all the sweets in a natural food store is just like, you know, it's an amazing journey and experience. And although, again, I'm, I'm grateful that people can get their groceries and support their local retailers, uh, you know, in a, in a safer way these days, I know a lot of people are itching to get back in and see what's new on the show. Oh, totally. I got to tell you, like, uh, obviously my my trips to the grocery store, inside the grocery store, are drastically reduced nowadays. Um, we're still doing a lot of curbside pickup um, with our local market here in San Francisco. But um, I am itching to get back <laughs> into the grocery stores and go back to that experience of browsing and connecting with all the the staff. But absolutely, yeah. And I think retailers are kind of getting there as well. They're they're ready to start seeing what's new and and putting new products on their shelf as well. So I think it's, you know, coming to the right time where there should be some new things to explore and we should hopefully feel a bit safer walking in. Awesome. Okay. So let's, let's start there. Let's talk about this. So I, I feel like, Will, when you and I brainstormed, we had a lot of different topics that we could talk about, but for today, I, I want to focus on the importance of supporting brands on shelf and how to do it right now, right? We're in this era mm-hmm. where demos aren't happening, although I've seen some reports that they're coming back. Um, you know, it's mm-hmm. much harder to walk into a retail location and get someone to pay attention to you. Although I've said for a long time, that's not necessarily the way to do it in the first place. Um, so let's talk about why it matters to still support at the store level right now and what that looks like. Yeah, it's a, a great question and a great topic. I'm happy to, to chat on it. Uh, and I think it's best seen through kind of two different perspectives. Um, the first perspective being more of the negative ones, you know, the, the downside of not being there. Okay. And, you know, that, that law of what can go wrong will go wrong uh, is prevalent in grocery for natural food brands. And for, I think, all brands within that, the, the grocery sphere. So showing up at store level uh, allows you to make sure that, you know, these small things that happen on a day-to-day basis, whether it's a sales tag that goes missing you know, or it's an item that sits in the back and spoils out. And then a buyer Mm -hmm. thinks that it's not, not worth having on his or her shelf. All of these things can negatively impact, you know, your success as a brand. And as much as you like to think that once you get into a retailer, things are going to happen perfectly. That's just not the case, you know? And I think anybody who spent time at retail knows that 
thing happen that things happen that are uncontrollable and are yep. no one's fault, but yeah. still, you know, affect your brand uh, and you know its position on the shelf. Absolutely. On the other side of that, yeah. Keep going. There's the <laughs> yeah. On the other side of that, there's the opportunity that exists by being present at store level. You know, there is so much to be learned. And I think oftentimes this idea of having to go into trade, it's sort of a burden, you know, and it's this thing that somebody has to do and they want to make one visit and get the thing done and then not show up again when it's just the wrong mentality. Because what can come from a relationship at retail is is just so valuable for your long-term plan. You know, you can understand what's the store's perception of you is. They can understand what's selling well, what's not selling well what your competitors are doing, what you as a brand can do to drive sales in those accounts. And all of that comes by being present at store level and by, by being willing to listen and approach any of those visits with an agenda, but mm-hmm. agenda that's secondary to a commitment to reading sort of the, the landscape and understanding that it may take more than one visit to accomplish your goal. Yeah. Yeah. I love this idea because, well, I was just talking with someone about this. I can't remember who, but we were saying that one of the challenges that I, that I see is that brands feel like, maybe it was you actually, well, brands feel like (laughs) grocery buyers and retail is, um, is a roadblock for them. And they feel like if only the buyers were, less grouchy or if only the buyers would give them the chance of the day chance of you know give them a chance or like that the that the buyers are really the roadblock for brand success and i i don't think that's true i think the the faster brands realize that retail can help them form really important relationships the the more likely they are to succeed yeah and i, I think if if brands can recognize that maybe like their perception of that individual is because the person is grumpy, but they're grumpy because for the last 10 years, (laughs) they've been presented items and made to feel like they're, you know, less than, or that they're doing a bad job. The the typical visit for folks, you know, especially if you're a brand owner and you're passionate about it, you walk in and your baby's not on the shelf, but it's supposed to be there. And so your immediate gut reaction is, who am I going to talk to about this? Who am I going to reprimand? And that's the worst approach because all of a sudden you're putting a divide between yourself and the buyer or the store manager versus approaching it from a mentality that says like, I, I get it. You've got a lot of things going on in the store. You've got a lot of SKUs to maintain. This one over here may not be the top priority, but it's a priority for me. And I'd love to talk about how we may be better support it. You know, it, it's that empathetic approach that seems to, to be missing because, again, people want to make the most of their time and time spent on a store visit better produce return when it's, it needs to be a much more holistic understanding of like once the relationship is built, the give and take there is so valuable for growing brands just to better understand what's working for them and out there in the market. Oh my God, Will, where were you when I was a grocery buyer? I would have been delighted if you walked into my department and with that attitude. Uh, It's the best part. It is like, it's the secret sauce and it's hard and it takes time and there's a lot of patience. But all of a sudden, you know, after a couple months of walking in without an agenda, 
you know, with an understanding, all of a sudden you see what comes of these relationships mm-hmm. that are formed and what happens when somebody cares about you and your brand. And it makes visits this dreadful thing into a homecoming where yeah. you're touching base with, yeah. you know, the buyers and the store managers and you're talking about, you know, their kids' soccer game. And it just is authentic and it's real and it's built on trust and partnership, which yeah. uh, again takes time, but is like completely worth it in the end. Oh, uh, yeah. This is a, this is exactly what we do in Retail Ready. We talk about these partnerships and we get our students to understand the importance of coming at it from a, a different perspective, right? How can you partner with that retailer to help you? both achieve the same goal, right? At the end of the day, we all have the same goal and that's to sell more of our better for you brand, right? Absolutely. Okay, so can we talk about, yeah, go ahead. I'm just gonna say, it's also in those mindsets, you also need to understand what's best for the retailer too, you know? And and, yeah, just taking that same approach, um, focus on them as well is important. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I want to talk about, here we are, four months post-cancellation of Expo West, like COVID hit hard in mid-March. Here we are four months later. Okay. How can... How can we approach retailers? I know, you know, I know we've got the virtual pitches happening. I know all of that's happening. Mm -hmm. But what's happening at the store level? How can we... How can we actually show up in brick and mortar? Yeah, I, I think during this time, uh, it, it's more important than ever to be conscious of the store and how the store is operating. Mm-hmm. You know, some stores right now, given, you know, foot space, sorry, square footage, uh, you know, don't have time or interest right now in listening to, you know, maybe brand pitches. Yeah. They're not interested in bringing new things to the shelf. And that is certainly like brands over the last couple of weeks have begun to turn back on. So mm-hmm. I, I do hope yeah. that as we continue to navigate this, all retailers will be more open to listening to new items and getting, again, great items on the shelf so people like you and I can walk around and spend way too much time staring at the <laughs> new stuff that's sitting there. Um, but in most, in most retailers, what we've seen is that they are back open and especially during this wild time of enormous increases in sales and pressure on the distribution system and pressure on the retailers themselves and their own manpower, there was a great opportunity for us to show up and and give support. And we built sort of our organization on the mindset of what is good, you know, what needs to happen for our retail partners is commitment to helping on any given day in any situation under any circumstance. And, you know, we sort of every, I'll I'll tell you a quick story and and, uh, I'd love it every year, every year, right around Christmas and Thanksgiving, we donate our time back to the stores we call it holiday help. And it's three days leading up to Thanksgiving and three days leading up to Christmas where oh, we those are in the crazy store. days, yes. <laughs> those wild days of eggnog and butter and oh, whipped cream God. and mountains of stuffing, you know, <sighs> those are the times, again, where there's just not enough help at store level to yeah. make it through. Yep. And we saw a very similar perspective over the, this last period, you know, of COVID where yes. everybody was yes. stressed. Yeah. And yep. so 
why I'm telling the story is that even in these stressful times, there are opportunities to support and build that relationship long-term. So my suggestion in this type of environment is to walk in the stores, understanding that what you're expecting it to be may not be what it is. And that's okay. But being willing to support the store and your products will create the type of relationship that that as things ease, there is more likelihood of accomplishing the goals you have set right now. Um, which again is just the long-term gain. It's uh, it's a necessary approach, especially as we're working through this, you know, unique situation. Yeah, I I hadn't articulated it like that well, but I think you're spot on in saying that those, you know, the last two weeks of March really felt like the week of Thanksgiving, the week of Christmas, the week of New Year's on at a store level. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody, yeah, it, you know, that week of Thanksgiving where everyone is buying stuffing, canned pumpkin, cranberry sauce, and turkeys, like those are like the four <laughs> items. It's exactly like what happened at the end of March where everyone was buying hand soap, toilet paper, and like, <laughs> you know, big chunks of meat to, to raise, right? <laughs> Cases of kombucha versus one single one. I mean, yeah, yeah. we saw just uh, crazy things in the data. Um and it seems like it's mellowing out now, but it, it was, I, I think, the, the most stressful, at least in my seven years, the most stressful uh, period of time uh, that mm-hmm. we've ever seen at store level. Yeah, God. I, I am so grateful that I was not working at Byright during that time. And I say that in, you know, with utmost gratitude for those who were, because it was just a a wild time. And so Will, I want to go back and reiterate this point. And you, you kind of breezed over it, but Dirty Hands was literally on the ground helping retailers during this time, right? Your, your brothers and sisters of over 125 of you guys were going in the store, suited up, I imagine, like masks and gloves, and you were, what were you doing? Whatever needed to be done on that day. Gotcha. Um, I mean, uh, again, taking the retailer perspective, uh, and even within our own organization, there was a lot of uncertainty uh, and a lot of worries and concerns for loved ones and for children and for, you know, all of these different factors that, that played a role in this. And so our, our teams, you know, we, we came together at the beginning of this and kind of went back to our purpose and our mission statement, um, you know, which is to support our retailers, our brands, and our communities, and said, like, this is, this is our time, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you have specific issues that you need, you know, uh, to address and we need to talk about, let's do it. And we worked with, with each of our brothers and sisters through that uh, situation. Um, through their unique situation to ensure that they felt comfortable and had the tools necessary to walk into stores and be safe as they supported their accounts. Um, So it it was, you know, I wouldn't say business as usual um, because there were a lot of differences, uh, but, you know, I'm so internally, just eternally grateful for the folks uh, within this family who, you know, even I'll tell you, even folks who weren't, like routed for stores, put their hands up and said, put me in. Really? I'm here to support our partners here to support the community. And it has just been such a, a uniting, uh, situation, which I'm grateful for. And, uh, 
Yeah, I, I, I'll say a little <laughs> somewhat surprised, but not surprised at all. At well, time. it's a testament to the company culture that you've you've grown at Dirty Hands. And I feel like that's a whole other episode that we could do on the podcast, building yeah, company culture. But um, I, you know, I just, I can't say enough good things about how it's, it is such a testament to the culture that you have in place. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to pause for a second. We are going to drop in a quick sponsor and we will, we will be back really, really soon. Hang tight. You hear it from your customers every day. I love your product. I wish this was sold near me. When are you going to be carried at my favorite local store? It is time to capture those customer interactions and put them to work for your brand. We Stock streamlines the product request process and helps get your brand on retail shelves faster by collecting data that is essential for your wholesale pitch. And you have heard me say it enough times by now to know that buyers love data. A pitch that is backed by data is always going to capture that buyer's attention faster than a pitch without it. Learn more about how you can use your fans' product request to perfect your pitch at westock.io or linked in my show notes. And don't forget to use promo code FOODBIZWIZ for 25% off your first year. Okay, well, we're back. So we talked about the importance of showing up on the store level, why that's important. We talked about how you should approach your visits, really from this idea of supporting the retailers and understanding what their goals are and being this empathetic brand. I want to talk about a couple more things. I want to talk about who you're actually tracking down when you're going into the store and maybe some of those things that you absolutely shouldn't do when you when you start knocking on doors. How does that sound? Absolutely. Okay. Sounds great. So let's let's start there. So I'm all fired up. I am an emerging brand. I've gotten let's say I've gotten in to my regional Whole Foods and I am ready to start <laughs> like knocking on more doors. What, who am I talking to? What am I doing when I actually go to a location? Yeah, uh, I think it's important to uh, sort of, when you're walking into stores, you really want to be discussing and, and talking to the decision makers. Yeah. Um, you want the store managers, you want the team leaders, let's say in Whole Foods, the grocery team leaders, you want them to connect your brand with you. And so they're the, you know, they're the head honchos. Uh, and it's important that they understand what you believe and what you feel and what your brand, the value your brand brings to the market. But you don't stop there. You know, team leaders are incredibly important. They're also incredibly busy. Um, and further down sort of the hierarchy, each of those people are so just valuable and full of information and knowledge and uh, that it's important to really have a wide scope. But we're breaking it down sort of in Whole Foods, the team leader uh, in grocery leaders are very important to, to again, yeah. uh, explain your product, who you are. Um, buyers, department managers are incredibly yeah. important as well because they're the ones who are most likely ordering your product. And so if there are issues with out of stocks, if you're showing up to a store, yeah. you know, five times and you're out of stock three times, they're probably the person to go to because they, they own that space. But also one of the things that we've as an organization has always done is, has looked at everybody and said, like, 
everyone in this store could be an advocate for the brand. Yep. If you have the time and if you're willing to invest in them. And so we think about team members and we think about cashiers and we think about maintenance people. And the reason you have such a wide perspective is because especially within a great organization like Whole Foods and natural grocers and these just, just icons of the grocery industry, they're promoting from within, you know, they're building talent. And so that team member who's six months on the job sooner or later becomes Yep. the assistant team leader and all of a sudden is the team leader yep. and because you've met and worked with that individual over the last five years, you're able to, to just have that relationship build and grow and prosper in the right ways. And so it's important, although you need to prioritize who you're speaking with and where your time is being spent, like don't be a, be a positive force when you're yeah. in stores. Yeah. Don't don't be shy. Talk to everybody. <laughs> give them samples. You would be amazed at how far buttons go at grocery stores. You know, you because know, people want to. Yeah. yeah, you're totally right. I I can think of two two things that really connect with what you're saying. First, the woman who is doing my job right now at Byright is a woman who I hired to be an extra bagger for holiday time. You know, ten years ago. And sure enough, now she's, <laughs> she's running a department. Um, and, you know, you're totally right. Grocery promotes from within. And, you know, the, her past 10 years of connecting with vendors and trying samples and understanding who's the helpful delivery driver and who is the pain in the butt, you know, that's all, that's all in her brain from the past decade. Um, And then secondly, Will, one of the things that I used to do was I would always send my grocery stockers to go and talk to the demo person and try the product and connect with those brand ambassadors when they were there sampling products. So I know we have a pause on (laughs) on sampling product right now, at least in the traditional sense. And it it was wild, Will. I'm sure that you've seen this, but it was always so eye opening when some brands would not give my grocery stockers the time of day because they wanted yeah. to connect with the with the shoppers right with the they had such an eye towards ca- connecting with the consumer and those ones who realized that my grocery team were going to become mini brand ambassadors and mini sales people on the sales floor were were the ones who really succeeded on our shelves yeah and consumers yeah you know? Totally. People who are working in grocery stores are are often buying things from those grocery stores with <laughs> totally. a discount. Totally, <laughs> with a discount. So, That's what I was going to say. They get a discount, so you they know? are much more likely to shop there. Yeah, <laughs> most definitely. And it, it totally is true. again that that it's that that missing link between sort of understanding the power of retail and just yeah. the influence that that those people who are there, you know, 365 days a year, what what they can do for your brand, how they can promote it, how they can um, be an advocate you know, for yeah. your product, even when you're not there. And that is, uh, yeah. again, I think a, a, super important. So I think, Will, we probably have some listeners who are nodding along, but they've got, I can just imagine this question. They're like, okay, Will, I trust you. Like everything that you're saying is spot on. However, I am, I'm expanding. I have expanded outside of mm-hmm. my region. I am, I'm a national brand at this point, or, you know, I'm, I'm quickly expanding. I don't have the capacity to do this at store level. Like how do, totally. how do I support my emerging brand when I have limited resources? Like 
<laughs> what do they do? It is a great question. Um, and I, I mean, I think they, uh, you know, emerging brands who are expanding nationally, they need coverage, you know, yeah. and, and really depending on the, uh, depending on the category, yeah. um, you yep. have a couple different options, you know, and I think high velocity items that, you know, require off shelf, you know, and, and make sense off shelf, you know, I can't say I'm going to throw a, you know, be able to sell in a pasta sauce on a wing full of cookies, you know, like right. that's, that's a little bit more of a difficult sell than, you know, cookies on a wing. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there are, are great systems out there, uh, you know, brokerages, uh, teams like ours, merchandising yeah. services, um, you know, even some audit services out there mm-hmm. do serve a purpose. But I think as brands are kind of thinking through that question, it's important to really understand your objective. You know, is your objective to solve this one singular issue that you know exists right now? If so, find some help through project work to, yeah. to get a better grip on that. Yeah. If you're interested in growing your brand at store level and having the people at store level connect with the brand on a deep level to feel like they have somebody to go to when there are issues or concerns that, again, will pop up at store level, then you need to make sure that you've got consistent coverage who is focused on that relationship and who is willing to invest the time and energy to make sure that your brand is in the position to succeed. And as, as brands grow, it gets more challenging because there's Mm -hmm. just more things to cover. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think you've probably heard it as well. You know, failure in retail is it is death by a thousand paper cuts. You know, (laughs) it's never one giant thing that kicks you off. It's the culmination of all these tiny events that, you know, stunt your maturation and, and the velocities that, you know, you can do if the brand is supported, but yep. you know, you haven't been able to reach. Yeah. And I think it, it's so clear. I have so many retail ready students who say like, Allie, our best accounts are the ones that we opened ourselves. They're the ones that we still drive to. They're the ones you know, who we met the buyer personally, and we just can't replicate that success as we expand across the nation. And, you know, when we dig a little deeper, I realize it's because they don't have any systems in place for replicating that success. And they don't have any way to continue to nurture those accounts from afar. Absolutely. And I think right now, especially like, it's very risky and costly to have your own field team. Yeah. You know, your... It is, again, an investment that many great brands have made. You know, you think about the health aids, you think about the Kavitas, you think about the, you know, the vitamin waters and the, uh, you know, smart waters. And these, all these organizations have had massive teams who made sure that their stuff was on the shelf in the right place. But I think at a certain point in time, it's worth just looking at the cost of what that is and the ultimate return, you know, because I'll, I'll say... And I'd argue that, you know, the cost of one person in Northern California, I can provide you seven or eight people mm-hmm. for half that cost. Yeah. And that's the type of solution we're, we're excited to bring to the market on a bigger level um, because we think it's important for brands to be able to, especially now, especially in light of these financial, you know, issues that I think we're, we're ready for. Yeah. Um, there need to be more cost-effective solutions for support at store level. Yeah. And one of the things that I've spent a lot of time thinking about over the past couple of months is 
this idea that, okay, so, so you're not doing demos right now. You're not doing in store or excuse me, um, in-person marketing. You're not doing a trade show. What, where can you put Mm -hmm. those marketing dollars instead? And, you know, I was talking with Sylvie of Just Date Syrup on a a couple episodes ago and we were saying, okay, so if her demos on average are costing 150 bucks a demo and she's in Whole Foods Global, where can she take that pretty large budget and put it, Mm. where, where else can she put it right now? And it feels like, um, an in-store merchandise, merchandising team or a broker, anyone who can support your brand locally is, is a smart investment right now. Absolutely. And I think, you know, one of the, <clears throat> we, sh- we show up to stores incredibly often, you know, in yeah. Whole Foods, we're in, you know, these accounts on an average of two day two days a week, yep. you know, in some accounts, we're in five days a week. Yep. And that, uh, that connection and that frequency allows us to, uh, I think, serve a similar purpose to demos, but again, mm-hmm. focused yep. entirely yep. on the retailer. So if you were planning, and I think we, we chatted about this, but you know, if you had this massive amount of budget dedicated to demos, how do you pivot that towards to getting product in front of the people who are working in the stores yeah. who, and building sort of that allyship with them? Um, because otherwise, uh, again, I, I, I haven't come up with other ways other than online marketing to help really build your presence at store level yeah. or, you know, in, in the business. Totally. And, you know, I love, I love online marketing. It's a, a, an area of my business mm-hmm. that I have become very excited about, but it doesn't work for every brand, right? It's really hard to run paid promotion to a... I don't know, a short shelf life frozen yogurt bar and expect to like ship nationally, right? That's not going to happen um, unless you're a really, really big producer who has, you know, massive distribution and ability to ship frozen product all around the country. But for most listeners, I don't think that's, that's a viable option yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Okay. I want to talk about one thing, one more thing before I let you go. Well, can you tell me what shouldn't my listeners do on their visits? Because I know you have, you've made them all fired up to like, go get in store right now, go get in safely. Right. Um, but anything that like they should, should absolutely avoid right now. Yeah. I, I think the, the one thing to avoid on any store visit you make is making enemies, mm. you know? And yeah. I think in order to do that again, there needs to be patience. There needs to be empathy. There needs to be, you know, compassion. But you can't walk in there and criticize somebody for, for thinking that they should be doing a better job than yeah. they are. You know, yeah. that is the one thing to avoid. And <laughs> having, you know, witnessed this at store level, again, there's nothing that destroys a brand's hopes and prayers in a store more than you know, ridiculing or, or telling somebody that they're doing a bad job. Oh, so, yeah. but again, there is frustration and that's okay. You're yeah. passionate about yeah. your brand. You love your brand. But whenever you reach that point, leave the store, you know, take yes. a walk. Yes. Come, come back with the understanding that like, you know, this is a partnership and how do we align on things that will benefit the, you know, your brand, but do not under any circumstance make somebody feel like they're doing a bad job 
because your brand isn't in the space or isn't well stocked or isn't in the position that you thought it would be when you walked in. Totally. I can, I can remember, I'm not going to drop the brand name, but I can remember (laughs) a vendor so clearly. This is back when I worked at Byright 18th street and it was a single location. So this is probably 10 years ago. I remember a vendor coming in and yelling at one of my grocery stockers on the sales floor in front of our guests. And sure enough, when category review came along, (laughs) I discontinued them because they were such a pain in the butt. They were so disrespectful towards my team and their sales were just meh. So like, Mm. you know, they were an easy one to cut because they were, they were not someone who I wanted to do business with. Um, and it doesn't, and it doesn't even have to be that extreme, right? Well, you aren't even talking about people yelling and (laughs) reprimanding people on the sales floor, it can be even smaller, like more subtle ways of aggression. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's no excuse. Uh, we've, we've had brands, you know, curse out some employees, yep. some, you know, brothers and sisters of ours. Yep. And the very next day, those brands are out of here. Like yep. there is no, there's no time because like, I think what a lot of folks forget and don't understand is that it's a hard job. Oh. Like, early mornings. It's so it's hard. Like late nights, it's a reset. Like, yeah. and it's, it's yeah. not just working in a grocery store. Like there takes a lot, a lot of skill in order yeah. for people to be good at their job within yep. those stores. And I just feel like there's never been enough respect. And I think we've seen sort of the uptick and the upswell yep. of sort of the respect for people, especially during this time. But yeah, there is no excuse for somebody uh, uh, unleashing anger and frustration yeah. that they have on, you know, a hardworking employee at store level. Yeah. And I th- I'm laughing a little bit because I, I know that my listeners are, must be on the other end thinking like, oh, that's not me, Allie. Like I hear you loud and clear. Like I would never do that, but we all have bad days. Right. And we all like, there's always, oh, there's always something that there. just, me too, right? Like, there's always I've, I've something. I've made those mistakes. Me you know? too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I have definitely, you know, yelled at my grocery team, and I'm, you know, I learned from those mistakes. But it, grocery is so hard, and I, I know some of my listeners, like you're gonna swear up and down that you will never do it, and there comes the day when you find yourself <laughs> disrespecting that grocery team, and all it, you know, I would say when that happens going back and apologizing and, and making amends in the relationship is the first step. Absolutely. And there is like, we always talk about within, you know, uh, the family, um, because I'll tell you every vacation, every summer break, every, you know, childbirth always comes back to like, you know, store level and work. So I'll tell you, (laughs) we, as a family, brothers and sisters, we always talk about how, like when we first started out, what we recognized was that the person who sort of said, you know, get out of my store. I don't want to see you. I don't have time for you. Yep. At first became your biggest advocate and your biggest ally. As soon as they recognized that you weren't like the other people who walked in and said, you know, I'm going to make all these promises and not fulfill them. You know, it is like your, your biggest enemy at store level can be your biggest advocate mm-hmm. if they trust that you are going to do what you say you'll do. And that you actually care about their success as well, you know, that you're actually willing to help 
them be successful in their roles. You just build such tight partnerships with folks whose minds are changed because of your actions. So there's never like bridges are never totally burned. You yeah. you can yeah. don't I wouldn't suggest <laughs> trying it, but it is uh, if you're again humble and human and understand that like you know we're all doing the best we can with what we've got and uh, and take that kind of approach into every conversation you have with any individual at store level you're going to get a whole lot further than making yourself out to be some super important, you know, person that they should, you know, really respect and listen to. Oh, and that, that is why dirty hands is so successful. I, I love it. Well, um, I'm going to end on that note because I feel like you just gave me a whole bunch of positivity Mm -hmm. and things to think about. So I, I'm so appreciative of our time on the podcast today. Well, I love I love how much you love <laughs> brick and mortar as well. Um, and I just, gosh, I, I can't wait to have you back on the podcast. And we'll talk about something else just, just as juicy. But in the meantime, where can people stay connected with you? Yeah, feel free to, uh, to follow Dirty Hands LLC on LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, we have a Instagram uh, handle called Dirty Hands Community. Um, just gives you a little insight into, you know, into the family, who we are, what we believe, what we do. Um, and those are the best places to, to keep track of what we're doing and where we're headed. Awesome. I will link all of those in today's show notes. And thank you so much for joining me, Will. This was an absolute pleasure. Holly, thanks for having me. Come back anytime. <laughs> of course. All right, my listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I love how much practical knowledge Will gave us today, and I really hope that you took a whole bunch of notes as we outlined what you can still do to support your retail accounts. So remember, you are in control of your sales, you are in control of those relationships, and they are going to be key in growing your business. So I would love to continue the conversation with you in our Food Biz Whiz Facebook group. Come and join us. We are well over a thousand food and beverage founders in there discussing all things related to the CPG industry. So find the invite to my free group at foodbizwiz.com or linked in today's show notes. So I'll be back here next week celebrating my one year of podcasting. I am really excited to connect with you, to share the best strategies that I have learned from my guests over the past year, and to talk about what is on deck for the future of the Food Biz Whiz podcast. Have a great week and stay busy. Thank you for listening to Food Biz Whiz, the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe so you never miss a beat. Hungry for more? Check out www.foodbizwiz.com. That's food, B-I-Z-W-I-Z.com for detailed show notes from all episodes. Thanks again for tuning in and stay busy.